0: Thank you. Americana music, as we've discussed on this podcast, is an expansive term. But at the heart, it always comes back to American roots based music. So, what happens when the term grows outwards, blossoms, and eventually proliferates and takes root somewhere we never expected? Let's say Europe. More specifically, let's say Paris, France. Our guest today is an example of not only the reach of Americana music, but of the true potential for its growth and its subsequent adaptation. Baptiste Amon is from Paris, France, and has been writing and making music since about 2015. At the beginning of his life, Baptiste's musical influences, like most individuals, was guided by his family's interests. That was until he was 17, and he discovered the music of Townes Van Zant. Upon first listening to the melancholic ballads of Van Zant, Amon describes it as an immediate connection with music he had never felt before which in turn stirred a creative swell and a drive to learn more about American music in general. Turning away from a career in civil engineering, Amon's journey as a musician has taken many turns, from initially writing songs in English like his heroes to adapting American-root sounds to his native tongue. All the same, he has remained pure in his intention to make music that he feels is authentic, not only to himself but to his listeners. The songs that are in English can nearly fool an English-speaking audience, into thinking they are listening to an American songwriter. There's a natural flow to Amon's lyrics, and an almost academic sensibility of how words work together. The only betrayal of the music's true origins is by the flickering moments of a difference in pronunciation. For the songs that are in French, which, if you roughly try to translate like we did, there's a level of poetry that can't be matched. The true magic that brings both of these aspects together from record to record is Amon's combination of commonly recognizable Americana sounds, such as fiddle and steel, with the polyphonic layering found in traditional French chanson music. Amon takes what we think we know, breaks it down from an outsider's perspective, and adapts it into something both familiar and totally new all at once. Language aside, it is a sound that transcends borders and captivates his audience. Today on Americana Podcast, The 51st State, our host, Robert Earl Keane, speaks with Baptiste Amon, About his love of American music, his own creative journey as a songwriter, and his new record, Soleil, Soleil Bleu. At this time, we would like to make a disclaimer that due to linguistic differences, there will be mispronunciation of words and language, and we simply request your patience and a little bit of your mercy. I'm your producer, Clara Rose, and this is Americana Podcast, the 51st state.
1: Viruses are meant to stay, I guess In memories of lonely hearted men And you're a free bird, you're a free bird I wish I could have known I don't want a cigarette I want your love above it all When I'm losing ground I'm looking all over town to see there's a
2: chance you're coming home. Hello, my name is Robert Earl Keen, and you're listening to Americana Podcast, the 51st State. Today, we have international Americana artist Baptiste Aumont. We are at The Zone Recording Studio in Dripping Springs. Well, we're going to get started, Baptiste I have early on before you became a musician, you were really influenced by the music of Towns Van Zandt. How did you discover Towns?
1: By accident, yeah. I would say. Yeah, I was uh, seventeen years old and I was uh, listening to a lot of uh, sad music. I, I always loved sad songs, and uh, I think by accident on the internet, I was just looking for uh, some new sad songs, and I found the music of Towns and. Uh, it was really weird because I had I felt some emotions that I had never felt before when I first listened to Towns Van Zant, and um, I didn't know anything about country music, Americana, folk music, Texas music, anything at all. And uh, it's a whole new world that was opening uh, to me. And uh, since then, I still listen. Like ninety-five percent of what I listen to is, you know, American singer songwriters.
2: So, if we can just stick with Towns Ta- for a minute, what do you think really drew you to his sound? For instance, was it his voice or was it the words or was it just the vibe of the songs?
1: I think there is something, uh, there was something a bit magical, I would say, uh, the first time I listened to his music because uh, I could feel something in my body that I had never felt before. And of course, his voice i love his voice i love his words i love uh, the the vibe but i think there is something more than that and maybe you know i felt like there was some uh, real authenticity and some kind of truth that was that i could hear from his music even though at that time i couldn't speak a very good english so i could even understand i couldn't even understand uh, what he was saying but i was feeling the truth in his music
2: are there uh, are there other um Ameri- uh, Americana or just an American artist that you have uh, been drawn to in somewhat the same way?
1: John Prine was probably a, a big influence as well at first and uh, and then Bob Dylan and Leonard Cohen so it's less Americana for Leonard Cohen but still uh, you know they, they are amazing poets and that's what I've always been looking for when I'm listening to music is some kind of truth and poetry and i think it's a lot of amazing artists here uh and and there is this vibe that i don't find in france you know we have a, a of course some amazing songwriters in france as well but for some reasons i feel more i can identify more to to those american songwriters
2: it said that uh you when you started writing you you wrote songs in english and then s- decided somehow that it was best to um, yeah. Stick with your own, uh, your first language
1: Yeah, because So I started writing in English That was pretty uh, Natural for me Because most of the music I was listening to Was American music So when I grabbed my guitar The, the words that were coming were in English But then I realized that uh, I tried to write good songs in English But English is obviously not my Mother language So I, I was like, okay If I want to try to do like these heroes of mine I need to do it in my own language so i've been writing poetry for since i'm i don't know 12 or 13 years old i had tried to write songs in french at first but i couldn't do it because you know that was a different thing for me and um, then i started listening to some old french songwriters actually and uh, that's how i managed to 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 be able to write songs in french at some point mm-hmm. Moi, je voudrais aller Sur les mers de tristesse Que Vanzan a créé hey
2: So, um, musical family, do you come from a musical family? Anybody there in your family? Nope,
1: nope, (laughs) nope. But uh, my parents wanted my brothers, and uh, we are five in the family of three older brothers and one little sister. And uh, my my parents couldn't play any instruments, but they wanted us to, to play instruments, so... I had piano lessons when I was uh, 10 years old or something. My parents weren't really going to concerts or they were only listening to, you know, old-fashioned French music. And uh, and um, so it came more because of one of my older brothers who is seven years older than I am. And uh, he was a lot into music, alternative music, indie music. And uh, so when I was 13, 14 years old, he would play me a lot of uh, good music that you couldn't hear on the radios. So that's thanks to him that I got really interested into music. And then again, when I started listening to Americana music, folk singers from the States, he didn't know anything about that. And that's when I felt like, you know, uh, I, I took some emancipation from my brother's uh, musical taste. I wouldn't say it's directly because of my parents and family that I'm now doing music, but uh, indirectly in a way, yeah.
2: So the songs are are you still drawn to the the melancholy of songs and and you feel like that that's something that you you know as you grow in your artistry that you continue to to uh to expand on
1: yes, I am trying to uh, write songs that would be less melancholic because at some point when you've got uh, I don't know forty songs written and thirty eight out of forty as melancholic people are starting to be like, hey, do you have a happy song for me, please? <laughs> so I try to. Uh, it's pretty hard for me because I feel like um, most of the time when I when I write. When I'm super happy, I I don't go to my room and start writing songs, you know, I just enjoy happiness. I go meet my friends, uh, have a beer or I usually write when there is something wrong going on. So that's why most of the songs are melancholic. But um, I hope that one day I'll be able to do the same, grab a guitar, write a song when when I feel 100% happy.
2: I do do feel, like, um, when I listen to uh, songs, like, uh, how do you pronounce his name? Georges? Georges? Yeah. Moustaki. Georges Moustaki. Moustaki. Yeah, uh, that there is somewhat, uh, well, number one, like you said, there's some authenticity in that sound, and then there is a certain sadness. Do you think that that's uh, part of the French tradition?
1: Not necessarily, but, or... or like, I think in every country, you've got these artists who, who have like melancholic songs and these other artists who are more like, uh, more happy songs or entertaining songs. and But Georges Moustaki was definitely one of those artists that was uh, a lot into melancholy. Uh, but I'm thinking of another uh, singer, French singer called Georges. He's called Georges Brassens. And he's one of the biggest uh, French singer-songwriters from the 60s as well. And his songs were not melancholic at all. He was an amazing poet, but you want to smile and laugh every time you, you listen to his uh, music. So uh. That's, uh, yeah, it's a different style. And uh, yeah, I wish one day I could be able to write songs like, like
2: that. So uh, when we talk about the, the differences, what are the, uh, is there a, a big difference between your European audiences and the American audiences that you face when you, when you travel around and tour?
1: yes so that's well i've never really toured in the states yet i wish it uh, it comes one day but i i started touring in a in a non-french-speaking country lately uh in holland and uh what i find amazing is that people there they don't really understand what i'm saying but still it feels like they they understand the general feeling and uh And there is something really weird about that. The first time you're on stage and you're singing your songs, I worked so hard on many of my songs, (laughs) on every single word. And you're like, these people, they may understand only 15 or 20% of what you're singing. And uh, at first I was afraid that I wouldn't like it. But it seems that there is something more in music you can share. It's not only about the lyrics. It's about the interpretation, about what you give to people. and, uh, And that's how I realized that it's not because you sing in a very a specific language that your music is not made for everybody. And uh, I like it in a way because it means that my market in a way is not only French and I've always thought that because, you know, Ali sent myself to American music mostly and uh, without understanding the lyrics when I was uh, younger and I still I loved it. There's a difference and um, yeah, I wish I can develop that... Uh, that carrier her boots. elle cache des larmes tout au fond d'un fou rire Moi j'aime une fille qui a déjà songé au pire du taking rain. Elle pleure parfois le long de l'océan Oh, elle pense au triste Qui régissait l'enfance. Oh, elle pleure parfois. Je la prends dans mes bras. Parfois, c'est moi. Oh, mais elle ne me voit pas. You take
2: it, Let's talk about how you construct a song. What, what? What? I don't want to go into the classic, you know. Is it the Is it the words or the is it the music, but I, I I believe it's kind of everything when you start writing a song, and so I mean, say you feel like where, for instance, do you go and feel most comfortable about sitting down and writing a song?
1: In my bathroom. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Because I live in in Paris. I live in, uh, like uh, most people, like in a small apartment in Paris. (laughs) It's very expensive to afford bigger apartments there. And so the only place where I'm pretty sure that my neighbors won't uh, be too mad at me (laughs) singing out loud is in the bathroom. So (laughs) that's where I feel comfortable.
2: (laughs) Is there a certain amount of uh, you like to kind of, you know, say holler out some sounds to get to a lyric that, you know, would keep you from wanting to just be sitting out on the street and writing a song, perhaps. But I mean, you like the solitude of, yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that most of the songs I write, I'm I'm alone home, and I, you know, I turn off my phone, and I'm I want to make sure that uh, either my brothers or sister or family uh, will will come in. I want to be sure that nothing will disturb me. And, um, uh, there are many different processes, of course you you probably know about that, so I don't have when people ask me, "Hey, how do you write a song?" I'm like, "Well, it's not that easy. <laughs> I cannot really answer by just one easy uh uh solution, but uh, most of the time, I just grab my guitar and start singing and start uh you know saying words sometimes it doesn't mean anything and uh but after ten or fifteen minutes singing, I'm like, "Okay, I think there are a few lines that I like, and when I just Say it, So I start writing a song out of those two or three lines. That's one way to process. Um, I also have a few, because as I was saying, I also write poetry. So I write text without thinking of a melody. And sometimes after I finish a text and I, I like it, I try to put it into music. Sometimes it works, sometimes not. But when it works, that's another way already of writing a song. And uh, one third way would be, I've always liked uh, adapting songs into French. It's a really interesting process to listen to an American song, let's say, and try to find some words that would sound good in French. It's very hard to make, uh, if you want to, if you do a direct translation from an American song, usually it will sound bad because, uh, you know, the languages don't sound the same. But when you do an adaptation and try to make it sound uh, authentic, then you realize that you may have to change a few things, And uh, but it's a whole, it can be a whole different song. And um, yeah, so I do that every now and then, and uh, especially when I feel stuck in my inspiration, I'm like, okay, let's grab a song that I really like and let's try to make an adaptation of it. C'était l'enfance, et nous venions là, passer le temps que l'on nous donne. La vie passait et nous étions bien à marcher sur les bords de l'Yonne. C'était les désirs lents et l'insouciance et les envies. Le temps qui passe les escarmouches Tout ce qui fait de nous des hommes Les amours neuves, tous les regards Nous marchions sur les bords de l'hier C'était la belle ivresse Et l'ignorance et les envies
2: We're going to talk about uh, your first record, The Ballad of Alan Seeger, right? Correct? Uh,
1: so that is uh, an EP, actually, mm-hmm. this this one. Uh, my first album uh, was called L'Insouciance, and uh, I went to Nashville to record it four years ago. And uh, it was... Actually, I was uh, going to Texas to play South by Southwest. And... Um, I was about to record my first album. I knew it, but it was supposed to be in France. And uh, then when I got lucky enough to be able to play South by Southwest, I, I told the guys from my record label, uh, hey, wait, I'll be in the States. Maybe I could stay in the States and record my first album there. And uh, they said, yeah, why not? Where do you want to do it? And I'm like, wow, there is this producer in uh, in Nashville that I like. He, he worked with a lot of artists that I like. And uh, I want to go to Nashville, and uh, and they said, yeah, so uh, it was an amazing experience for me uh, listening to a lot of, uh, again, Americana music, folk music, to be able to record my first album in Nashville.
2: So I'm going to totally show my ass on here, and I'm going to try to say the name of this record. It's called Les Wants," <laughs> right? yeah there that
0: not even close
2: L'insouciance okay. yeah okay there we go i'm gonna let you say it there Reptis, okay? no you're good yeah, yeah. uh so um the, and the decision to go to Nashville is because primarily say the the promote uh the, the the producer and
1: yeah yeah, the producer uh was a guy called mark nevers uh he he worked with a bunch of uh uh artists that I that I love, uh like uh, Bonnie Prince Billy, Vic Chestnut, some like uh oh, really Vic Ch- Ch- Chestnut? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah.
2: I, I love Vic. I used to we used to do some stuff together really? Man, was he a sad but super funny guy? He yeah, was yeah. like the he was like the most angry, funny person I've ever met. Yeah.
1: That's cool. <laughs> I need to know you f- Did you record songs together? No, No, I just,
2: uh, we uh, shared a love for a Southern writer out of Oxford, Mississippi named Larry Larry Brown, and when Larry passed away, they had a big um, kind of a music and uh, get-together about Uh his life, and uh, Vic was a huge fan. I I had shared some shows with Vic, but I never hung around him, and... That was a you know a fantastic weekend for me. Yeah. Okay. And cool. I, and I really, uh, I really appreciated his uh, his his vibe. You know yeah, his his honesty, perseverance. Yeah. You know, and he, his honesty was brutal, as yeah, they say. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Brutal, okay. Yeah. <laughs> brutal. Uh, so you have a couple of guest performances on this record: Will Oldham and Caitlin Rose. Is that yep, right?
1: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I've and, been yeah I've been big fan of uh, their music for. Uh, for quite a while. And uh, they are part of the reasons why I asked Mark Nevers to to produce my album. And uh, as soon as he said yes, I was like, okay, I've got a few songs that I'd like to sing with uh, some people you've worked with. And um, so I I asked Mark, uh, do you think like Will would be okay and uh, Caitlin Rose? And he was like, well, I don't know. I'm going to ask them. And two hours later, uh, he, called, he sent me a, an email back saying, well, they're OK to sing all those two songs you, you send us. So I was, I was blessed once again. It was uh, yeah, such a, such a pleasure to be able to, to sing songs with those two amazing people. Prisonnier de l'enfance, on s'étonne, on revient, on s'écrit, on s'avance. On recherche un destin. Take a break from this world, take a cinnamon girl, write a song about Jesus if you're feeling undone. A l'approche de la nuit, à la croisée des rires, dans nos sombres efforts et les embruns qu'on respire. There is light
2: inside the dust, there is crystal and rust, there are beautiful eyes and there are things you should trust. Like belle, et comme la vie est
1: belle, et comme ce monde est sourd au moindre de mes pas
2: So Baptiste, co-writing. Do you do co-write? Have you co-written with some other people? And what's your experience if you have?
1: I like it a lot. I I started doing that a few, only a few years ago. At first, I was this very stubborn songwriter, being like, I don't want to write songs with other people. You know, I don't need it. My songs are good enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I realized that first of all, it may not be actually true. But but the, <laughs> but the fact that you. When you're sitting at a table with a with another songwriter you realize that you you can learn a lot from the other person because sometimes you can be stuck in your own uh, ways of writing songs and you can learn so much in 2 hours let's say uh being seated at a table with a, another songwriter and so now I try to do it more and more with people that I that I that I love and uh and uh yeah, it's been it's been great and I I really want to do it more and more.
2: Yeah. Let's talk about it's been a while. a uh, really beautiful song. Uh what's, how did you um, get going on that one?
1: Oh I don't know, it's been a while. <laughs> 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 but um yeah, I wrote that song, so I still like writing songs in English from time to time. Um and uh this one came pretty, pretty fast. Uh, I wrote it actually just a month before going to the States to play South by Southwest and record my album. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I, re- I really feel like this song is, uh, is special on this album because it's in English, because Caitlin Rose is singing on it. And uh, because I know that I, I wrote it actually pretty fast, so there was something that, that had to be said. I felt when I when I wrote that song.
2: So overall, in the uh, uh, on the record, uh, what do you, what do you want people to uh, take away from this record? What what's the, what's the feeling that you you are trying to project?
1: Uh, probably some kind of authenticity. I think so. It was my my it's my first album, so there's probably a lot of. Uh, how do you say uh, naiveness naivety in yeah, it naiv- yeah naivety naivety yeah. yeah but uh but I think I really I did the album that I wanted to do at that time and uh, I I put all the enthusiasm and uh, and honesty that that was in me at that time so I hope that you can feel it when you listen to this album and uh it will be a special album for me forever, that's for sure, because it's the first one, because I went to Nashville, because it's the first songs that I wrote. And uh, yeah, it will have a special place in my my heart, I would say.
2: For, uh. and, and the meaning of the title of
1: these? Uh, I'm not sure how... how to, okay. Carefreeness, something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, carefree. okay, yeah, caref- yeah. Yes. Being okay. Carefree, great. I'd like to know if your family feeling okay. I'd like to know if you'll ever miss me one day. I'd like to ride along with you your last line of our song. The
2: one we never met.
1: you want me, want me tonight And if you try to walk
0: the line We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with our interview with Baptiste Amon shortly. At Americana Podcast, the 51st state. It is our mission to define and expand on the genre of Americana music. With help from our good friend and music connoisseur Will Vote, this is Will's pick. Emily Scott Robinson, White Hot Country Mess on the record Traveling Mercies. Emily Scott Robinson is a singer-songwriter originally from North Carolina. She has been traveling the country in her RV playing songs in clubs and bars since 2015. Her recent release, Traveling Mercies, has been getting national press because of the song The Dress, a heartbreaking song which chronicles a particularly traumatic experience in Robinson's life. Robinson's ability to take difficult topics and transform them into songs that will break your heart in the best way marks her incredible ability as a songwriter. On the album, there are many well-crafted songs on traveling and trials and tribulations of her life on the road. Some are funny and light-hearted, but they all have a ring of truth to them. After a lot of back and forth, Will's pick is white-hot country mess. With a healthy mix of humor, classic Americana sounds, and an upbeat tempo, it is a track one would be hard-pressed to listen to without feeling it in their bones. You put men
2: in charge of dressing rooms, there'll be beer and whiskey,
1: that's assumed, but not a single mirror to be found.
0: It's just dirty bathrooms, dingy lights, dealing with the drunk sound guy, hey buddy. I'm, not. I'm, not. I'm not. And now back to our interview.
2: We are talking to international Americana artist Baptiste Armand and talking about his writing process and his records. And he's working on working on finished a new record. It's
1: finished. It's, it's going to be released in three weeks now. Oh, pretty fantastic. soon. Yeah.
2: And the and the title I'm not even going to try. <laughs> it's called uh, Soleil Soleil Bleu, which means uh, Sun Blue Sun. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. I wish I'd have thought of that. Yeah. Uh, so um, let's. Uh, how this record? Where did you record this record? Uh,
1: mostly in Paris. This Paris. one. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I wanted to. So my first album, I was in Nashville, and we mainly recorded live with some amazing musicians. And for this album, I wanted to take uh, some more time working on the arrangements uh, of the songs. So um, so I did it in Paris with a with a bunch of friends first. You know, making demos, trying stuff on the songs. I wanted to to have my music more open to modern sounds on some songs, not at, not on all of them. So it was a longer process than for the first album, and um, and yeah, and I love the result. It's it's, it's I think still both Americana uh, half of it, and then uh, a bit more modern with modern sounds in the in the other half, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty pretty excited about the release of the, the second album.
2: And uh, say your uh, favorite track that you recorded?
1: Uh, there are two of them. There yeah. is the so Soleil, Soleil Bleu, which gives... Uh, the title? Name, so, yeah. The title cut. Yeah. yeah. And uh, a song called Bloody Mary. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think they represent well the, the two sides of the album, like... Uh, Folky Americana, Soleil Soleil Bleu, and a bit more modern with like drum machines and the Bloody Mary. So yeah, these are the, my two favorite songs of the year. And the this
2: world. record, this new record, uh, self-produced or you you used a pro- producer over in in Paris? Uh, I
1: have a uh, a record label in France, an amazing guy who's been uh, supporting me uh, from the very start. Um uh, so he, he produces the, yeah, he financed the, the album and, uh, and I will be distributed in France by a, a record company called BMG, uh, which is, you know, a huge worldwide, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty big, yeah. which is cool. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's great when you have the chance to have the support from a, a, a big major company and when everything goes well with, <laughs> because I know that there can be problems also, but, uh, they, they really support me and, uh, so they can invest a lot on, uh, both the recording process, but also the videos and I like the promo and uh, and it makes it very exciting you know i know that i'm I'm lucky to have these people around me supporting me and believing in me
2: so the release date will be uh April is that what we're uh, april fifth A- April fifth and uh you, do you since we're in March right now? Do you already have, the say, the, uh, the, the the first track out there? Is it out in the world?
1: Yes. Uh, we released the first single uh, two months ago, uh, it's a single called Je Brûle, which means I, I burn, I'm burning. <laughs> and uh, it's a song I wrote about that uh, family house, uh, my grandparents' house, actually, in the countryside, um, two hours away from Paris, in a small village called uh, Chablis. Where they make good wine <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh and yeah i've I've written like that song because i you know i've every year since I'm super young, I go there three four times a year, and I have strange and great memories there, and uh I felt like I'd never written anything about that house and uh, and uh, yeah, I managed to write a lot about my you know, it's not only about the house. It's also about all the memories I have when I go to that house, and nostalgia and uh, melancholy. And um... so, yeah, that was the first single, and uh, I'm I'm very happy because it's like uh, we got a lot of uh, good. Uh, like it's being played on the national radio in France, and it's the first time that the song of mine is being played on the national radio. So it seems like people are. Very enthusiastic for this next album and uh, it's very exciting for me. Et je me sens revivre, tiens. Elle me rappelle tes caresses, tes baisers. Alors, je peux démarrer ma journée. Je brûle.
2: Is there a, a video that goes along with um this single?
1: Yes. I went to my grandparents' place to record it to yeah to 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 shoot it uh with two friends of mine and uh yeah, you should see it. There's a it's a very they live in an old house where the the wallpapers are like super old fashioned and uh, like in every room, every single room there is a, a different wallpaper. And um i don 't know There's I, there is some kind of uh, a specific uh, vibe in the, in that house, and I wanted people to to see it that 's why I decided to to shoot the music video there.
2: : Is there a narrative to this video, or is it basically um, image driven
1: it's image driven yeah, yeah it's mostly uh me wandering around and uh you know playing guitar and uh, so no 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 narrative. For this video at least yeah
2: yeah, <laughs> and uh, have you, you've made other videos is that right
1: yeah 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 for my first album, I have um three music videos I think um one of them I did it myself uh in Texas actually uh when I went to to Marfa uh, five years ago and uh, so we took you know just videos with uh, our phones with uh with my friend and um, and I edited it myself, and uh, yeah, that's cool. I I also like the idea of uh, having authentic music videos, and sometimes that's the thing. There are some dangers of uh, having videos that make like when you work with big record labels. Again, they may have money to 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 spend on music videos, but it's not worth having a, a super great music video if it doesn't really look like you. And um, I've tried to avoid those uh, dangers so far, yeah.
2: So when you were in Marfa, how long did you stay in Marfa?
1: I stayed for uh, three or four days. Uh, I went there because of this festival. Is it Viva Big Band? Yeah. And uh, Butch Hancock was playing there.
2: Ah, do you know know Butch or do you know his music? I love
1: his music, yeah. yeah. I love his music and... uh, yeah, I went there, and uh, Joe Joely was playing uh, there as well. So I uh, went there with my girlfriend at the time, and uh, first time in, you know, in Marfa, which is, uh, it's an amazing place. But the countryside
2: is much different than uh, the countryside in France, correct?
1: It is, it is. Yeah. We don't have the dessert there. <laughs> but, but uh, We, yeah, yeah, it was really amazing, and um I was not. I didn't know much. I've traveled several times all around Texas, but I I didn't know that part of Texas, and I was surprised to see, yeah, how different it is from Austin, for example, or from uh, from North Texas. Or uh, and uh, I loved it. Yeah, if uh, if I get the chance one day, I'd love to to buy me a house in Marfa, Texas. (laughs)
2: Uh, It's so much. I I love Marfa. It's it's a beautiful place, and uh, I uh, it it uh, you know being. A uh, Texan and growing up here and spending most of my life here, uh, the, that part of the country in Texas—it just doesn't even feel like Texas. It really, yeah. truly feels like a different country. Yeah. And it's—I I, I find it really inspiring in a, in, a, in, a, in a very strange, magical way. Yeah. Soleil, soleil, soleil
1: bleu. Combien de temps rêve de l'amour? Soleil, soleil, soleil bleu J'attendrai mille ans ton retour C'est toi les promesses à vingt ans C'est toi le délire de Cassandre C'est toi les rires, c'est toi la peine C'est toi le chapelet de sang Après la mort de ceux qu'on aime C'est toi les hauts de vent C'est moi qui saigne Toi les de Norvège C'est toi la star d'Abilen Toi la tristesse blonde La rivière indolente Et Toi le serein qui s'impatient migraine, moi Qui te chante
2: So, okay, we're back. My name is Robert Earl Keen. This is Americana Podcast. Some people would be uh surprised to know that, that Guy Clark used to say when he was making a record, he used to say that he would make a record when he got ten good songs. Is uh is that sort of your process when you make a record? Or you think or you know, they're like Bruce Springsteen, they say that he will write as many as forty songs and and then put put them on you know, pick the best of those. Uh but um I'm kinda I'm kinda big on the ten good songs and move on, you know. But
1: I'm somewhere in between uh, Guy Clark uh, and Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> right. Say. Yeah, I try to write... Um... <sighs> well, that's the thing. It's the... There are the songs and then there are the the songs arranged and uh, with the music uh, around. And um, I know that I may be happy with 10 songs when I just sing them, me and my guitar, but then there is the whole recording process. And sometimes out of those 10 songs, I feel like two or three of them, We're not quite there yet, musically speaking. So that's why I try to write 15 good songs and record those 15 good songs. And usually, out of those 15 songs, there are 10 that I really love and want to put on the album. And the rest of them, I will probably re record them for the next album, you know, give some material for later. Absolutely. Où l'on dessinerait nos lois, je te définirais.
2: about Americana music uh, here at Americana podcast, the 51st state, we are really trying to define and expand the definition of Americana being that um, a lot of people think of Americana is just uh, maybe just country music, but I think of it in broader terms. Uh, can you give me your definition of Americana? Uh,
1: it's hard. It's hard. I, well, I come from France where people have, have a very general idea of country music. So they, they mix up everything like Western swings, country music, uh, Americana, bluegrass for them. It's for, for most French people, it's all the same. It's American music. Um, so it took me time to be able to make the differences between those different, different uh, genres. And uh I don't know. I would say that uh, because when people ask me what kind of music I make, I usually say that I'm doing Americana music in French. And um, so I suppose that Americana music doesn't have to be only about the language. At least that's the definition I try to to give of it. And uh, I don't know. There need to be some, again, some authenticity with the, the tradition of uh, like all this uh, good American music Uh blues folk and uh, you know it's uh I understand why it's hard to 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 give a you know an absolute definition of americana, but I think you feel it you know and uh and I understand as well that people had to to give another definition to country music at some point where country music became uh, like this commercial uh It's a lot of bad country country music on the radios, you know, that people call country music that I have, for me, when I listen to that, I'm like, no, this is not country music. It doesn't sound anymore like, you know, uh, I like Hank Williams. What's the link between Hank Williams and and these guys? So (laughs) (laughs) it's true. (laughs) Or someone has to explain it to me. (laughs) So I understand that at some point people had to find another term to define the music that they were playing and... uh, I suppose they found the term Americana, yeah. I see.
2: Is there a French equivalent to Americana music? Or even close?
1: Not really, but I, I would say, I would make a connection between, uh, I don't know, Towns Van Zandt and you were mentioning Georges Moustaki because they are singer-songwriters. That's the, the connection I make between between those artists, but otherwise we had a few singers in the 60s 70s who you know tried to have american music behind their uh, you know their their songs and like we had a french elvis presley for example <laughs> but the thing is it's usually it doesn't sound very authentic and uh that's what i'm trying to be very careful with that myself because i don't want to be this french artist who pretends to be American uh, and, um, I really want my music to, to be true, you know, and I, I don't think that it's a lot of French artists who manage to, to, to do that yet. Yeah. It's, uh, it's important not to become these kind of, you know, weird artists that doesn't really belong where, uh, yeah, so, no, there is no equivalent to Americana music, but of course the link would be the po- the poetry uh, of the singers.
2: That being said, I, I, really, I really love your version of uh, Billy Joe Shaver's Live Forever. It's a great... I mean, when you talk about authenticity, it, it sounds very authentic to me. And there are a lot of people that have covered that song, and I think that's a really great cover of that song. Thank Beautiful.
1: you. Thank you very much. Yeah. And actually, I... I first listened to that song thanks to Joe Healy who does a a cover as well and uh, it's yeah this song is really amazing and uh, Billy Joe Shaver's version is amazing and Joe Healy's version is amazing so I was like okay I want to I want to have my own version of that song yeah
2: beautiful you did a beautiful job thank you I'm
1: gonna leave forever I'm gonna cross that river going to catch tomorrow now You're going to want to hold me Just like I always told you You're going to miss me when I'm gone Nobody here will ever find me But I will always be around Just like the songs I leave behind me I'm going to leave Revenant.
2: We're going to move into our lightning round, Baptiste. So, uh, you know, if you just want to, like, wave it off, wave it off, but we'll give it a shot anyway. It's just a handful of uh, either-or questions. Okay. Are, you, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Uh, Ratatouille or Texas Chili? Texas Chili. John Prine or Guy Clark?
1: Ha-ha. <laughs> Both.
2: Okay. Django, Reinhardt, or Jim Morrison?
1: Uh, Jim Morrison.
2: Austin, Texas, or Paris, France? Austin, Texas. Voltaire or Descartes? Um, Descartes. Les Miserables or The Lion King?
1: Uh, The Lion King, of course.
2: Cowboy hats or berets? Cowboy hats. There we go. California wine or French wine?
1: French wine.
2: <laughs> Louis the Fourteenth or Louis Armstrong? Uh,
1: Louis, Louis Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Barbecue or Mexican food? Mexican food. David Bowie or David Byrne? David Bowie. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, so here's another one that we do on the Americana podcast, the fifty-first date. We always ask this question. Uh And this is a personal question. I believe that the b three organ you know that people use in studios all the time that's just the ridiculous poor name for a beautiful instrument, and we're trying to we're trying to <laughs> come up with a new name what if you had a chance if it were up to you, Baptiste, to name the b three a really cool name, what would you call it
1: Well I'm not sure because I'm not sure how it sounds actually <laughs> uh. <laughs>
2: okay. So let's well, name that's not, it. not. that's not a very good... That, let's w- name it like that. <laughs> it would just be a sound. <laughs> that would be a sound. Oh, perfect. I like that. Okay, um, your favorite joke that involves a Frenchman.
1: I'm very bad at jokes. I wouldn't dare sing any, but I want to hear you say one.
2: Okay, I do have one. Okay, <laughs> Rene Descartes goes into a bar, and the bartender says, Hey, Rene... Uh, uh, would you like a drink and he says I think not and he disappears <laughs> that's, that's a good that's yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay there we sure. go there's a joke <laughs> alright uh, we have been talking to Baptiste Haman and I uh, want to thank you so much for being here today with us uh, it's been a real pleasure to uh, uh, have you here on the Americana podcast and, uh, and and talk with you you're just a charming
1: individual I really appreciate it thank you for having me thank yeah. you so much
0: this time we would like to thank our host Robert Earl Keane, Pat Manske, and Mike Morgan at the Zone Recording Studio, and our guest Baptiste Amal. Americana Podcast is brought to you by Keane Productions, edited and produced by Clara Rose, mastered by Pat Manske, with original music by Kim Warner. Until next time, let the music play.